Hi, everybody. Welcome to Better. I'm Julie Duffy, and joining me is Dr. John Duffy in an Indiana sweatshirt. That's right. <laughs> and I, I can wear an Indiana sweatshirt today for a number of reasons. First of all, it's March, and it's warm, and I ran in this sweatshirt today. And no, I have not showered. Whoa. And But it's like warm. It's like 50s. 55 degrees that we're in Chicago. And George went to Indiana, so I'm, I'm celebrating. And I dig this sweatshirt a lot because each single letter has been embroidered directly onto the sweatshirt. It's, that it's a, looks like it's absolutely the truth. Right. It's absolutely the truth. It's retro. And special. It's super special. It is, honey. Yeah. It means something. Yeah. So we had kind of... It's been a pretty good weekend here. We had a great weekend at the Zen Parenting Conference. We did. Do you want to give a recap of how the conference went, who the speakers were? I heard the first speaker uh, after Todd and Kathy, the conference leaders, was astoundingly good. Mind-blowing. John Duffy. Oh, damn. Our friends Kathy and Todd Adams of Zen Parenting Radio put on the Zen Parenting Conference every year. It is... I'm not a conference-going gal, I wouldn't say. You are not. No, Uh, specifically. But I have fallen madly in love with this conference. It is always a collection of amazing speakers that open your mind and your heart, and you feel like you grow and you learn and you feel super connected to everyone there. Everyone has the best vibe. And just, if you think about that, marinating in that loveliness for, you know, 24 hours is such a gift nowadays. Well, yeah, for sure. Nowadays, like, you know, I I was comparing it. I talked to both Todd and Kathy in between things and I was comparing it to how I feel watching debates lately and I, and, or re- watching news, and I kind of have this kind of like, come on, you idiots, you know, like kind of feeling uh, an awful lot of the time. And it's threading a really impressive needle to have a two-day self-help conference where at the end of it, you do feel uplifted. You feel like you know something better. You feel like you understand a lot of concepts better. You feel kind of a whole new well of goodwill, and yep. you're not like choking on the saccharin of the self-help psychobabble, which is amazing because I think a lot of things kind of set up this way are super gaggy and annoying, and there isn't you – know, we spent, what, 15 hours at this thing, and there wasn't a one of those moments for me, not one. I loved every second of it with everybody I spent. Yeah, that's true. It's great speakers – Great content, like real information. There was a huge through line, too, which was great. Todd and Kathy did a sex talk, kind of sex ed for kids. Yeah, and kind specific. of all of us, you know, welcome, welcome, well, waking us all up to kind of what's going on, what's missing. And then you spoke about parenting the new teen in the age of anxiety. Uh, we had Rachel Simmons talked about... Uh, I mean, it was something we could all use, but how girls, what is, what's the title of our book? Enough as she is. Yeah. Kind of the pressure on girls and really all kids to be great at everything, which kind of can stop people in their tracks. And a lot of us suffer from this. I don't know when I say us, I don't know if I do have to, I don't, I don't think. And I loved her 
yes, she had a really good message and somehow she embodied it. You know what I mean? Like I feel like she delivered it in a style that suggests you don't have to be great at everything. And she was super kind of chill and casual in her language and her demeanor. And, you know, as somebody who speaks sometimes in public, I'm I'm taking notes on her. I thought she was amazing. Dude, that is I you in a nutshell. Yes. Uh, you know, she was great. And Gemma Hartley talked about kind of just the emotional imbalance, the emotional labor, labor imbalance the, in men and women. Yeah. And, you know, none of this was gaggy or too It wasn't preachy. Or preachy. It was just like, yeah, just kind of feeling all these things out and giving people things to think about. A lot of men were there, which was amazing, right? It was. It was not only amazing. I was gonna. I was gonna say uh, talk about that for a minute because every year at this conference, I feel like the ratio of men to women is getting better. In that, mm-hmm. I think there are more and more men. There were more men there this year than I think I've ever seen there before, and it is kind of cool how, in terms of gender. And maybe I was specifically paying attention to it this year for whatever reason. Maybe it's because we're, we're in a presidential election year and gender feels like a, a big issue kind of across the board in the last few years. But it was cool and it felt right to see. I think Tony Porter and I and Todd were the only – were we the only men, male speakers? Uh, yes. So there were there were more female speakers than male. And regardless – there were, I looked around and there were men who were not only fully attentive and present, which I've been speaking like to parent groups for like 20 years. And man, I just getting dads in there. I used to have dads stand up and, and we would applaud them. It was so rare a thing. Right. There'd be like yeah. three guys, yeah. you know, like yeah. in here out of a, you know, several hundred people, there's more than a hundred guys, you know, and that, that it, it's a rare thing. And there are women up on stage who are the experts and there are men in, who are in the audience who are so cognizant of that expertise and appreciative of it. They're taking notes, like they're, they're going to school on it. Yep. And that felt so good to me. Like I thought that was so cool. And I, and, and the dudes were participating, man. Like it was kind of like, I, I had a couple of moments where I was like, what is going on? Like, how did these guys get men to be so deeply involved? Well, I think everything's really heightened and dads are worried about their kids. It, they can't opt out. So they're coming to the table. And then, you know, I think more and more realize just how great it feels to be, like I said, in a weekend like this. And so just take to take a beat. Um, if you've never attended the Zen Parenting Conference, it is in... Uh, it's in Lombard, Illinois. Lombard, Illinois. It's a suburb of Chicago. It's basically in the Chicagoland area. Sign up for it next year. It's just a how to be a better human conference. It really is. Like I was thinking, I took a run today in my Indiana sweatshirt, and out there I was thinking, I would want to be at this conference regardless of parenting because, you know, like this year we learned so much and and kind of like it, it expands your mind. And I think maybe there's there's a lot there's a lot of things in life where we could be doing this. And and I don't I'll I'll speak for myself. I don't do enough of this kind of taking a step away out of myself, out of my routine 
and just listening to, like yesterday was such a great day. I presented on Friday. And so on a day when I'm presenting, I'm all geeked up. I'm like, you know, all geeked up and caffeined up and, you know, nervous and psyched and a whole bunch of an amalgam of things. And so yesterday I got to just like be there and to be there and to hear the, the wisdom and laugh at, you know, um, myself a million times and, and, and really think about a whole bunch of issues, some of it relating to parenting, some of it relating to gender and gender norms, some of it relating to transgender issues and balance and all these things, this whole amalgam and, and, and how this stuff can be difficult and trying and yet it all is worth the journey because you come out the other end more connected, more knowing, you know, so wiser and probably kinder and more understanding. All of it, that felt like the, the, those felt like the through lines to me. And it's so great to take that day, to take that beat because after what, how many hours in the conference room? And we're not conference people. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm like, I felt rejuvenated. Like, yeah. you know, Julie and I went and got dinner and talked about it. Then we got up this morning and we've talked about it. We talked about the issues that we were that, that were presented. So when you it's not just the Zen parenting conference. I think this ha- can happen in a number of areas in our lives where if we we just take need to take a moment and and I'll admit I I drink this in every year because I love it so much and I think it takes really really special people to cre- to set the tone for this kind of thing. And I don't remember how I met Todd and Kathy, but I am so grateful I did. I mean, I I sometimes freak out at the possibility that as a guy who is deeply involved in parenting and the idea of it, that those two people could live 15 minutes from me and I would never meet them (laughs) like that. Every once in a while, that freaks me out. (laughs) Yeah, I get it. Yeah. They are like family to me. I I love them. And And they're three girls. Oh, God. Are amazing. They're amazing. Yeah. Right. And so, and they've created a circumstance where it feels like family. It feels familial and super comfortable and safe. And there's this kind of atmosphere where you feel really good sharing ideas, you know? Um, And that's during the thing and in between things. And they're smart enough to leave a gap in between these sessions where people are just kind of riffing and talking and playing with the ideas. It's a real easy, real comfy, like great thing to attend. So put it on your Cali for next year. Oh, for sure. It's always in February, I think. And what a way to break up February because like it was February 28th and 29th. And then like, I always figure March 1st for me is always like, I feel like I made it <laughs> through through, through winter through the winter blueies part, but this mm-hmm. this winter didn't have a lot of that for us. I think it was part of the weather in Chicago. You know, like global warming's done us an enormous service. <laughs> well, uh, also we've been on the go go go. Yeah, they had an amazing panel yesterday that I loved of like parents and transgender adults and kids, and that was fascinating. Um, they had a gentleman that had transitioned. So mom, Maureen Muldoon led it. She is a mom of a transgender child. Child. Yep. I know. It's, it's, and they talked a lot about using the right words. And so I hope I will right here. Um, there was someone who transitioned, you know, a woman into a male was up there. 
speaking and um, a couple kids that are trans. Well, one Juniper is transitioning to male. Yep. He is great human, and we want to have him and his mom on the podcast. And his mom was up there. And then, and then there was L. a dad. Oh yeah, there was, there, a, there dad. was a dad uh, next who um, he he was great. I I loved him. He has a, a transgender child as well. Um, Chloe, a, to Chloe, a daughter, yeah. right? And you could feel the intensity of his alliance with Chloe. Mm-hmm. It was really really cool. And um, he told what I thought was like a beautiful story about um, his father-in-law. He was a little worried about, he thought the whole family's pretty good. Everybody like gets it and is on board. But my father-in-law, I'm not sure. And he, at one point, his father-in-law has taken Chloe aside. And this dad's kind of like eyeballing the situation, like in, you know, making sure this is safe and good for Chloe. And the beautiful punchline was, oh yeah, like grandpa was on board. And that felt like, like, amazing, amazing, right? You know, um, because I, I, I think the panel was great, and you did, you can finish introducing the panel in a second. But the panel was great in their recognition that I think Juniper at one side one point said, "Hey, this is going to take a minute for everybody to get used to. I'm getting used to it. You yeah, know, like like it's okay. This is weird. Yeah, it's yeah. weird. So." Um, I'd rather you ask. It feels good if you ask. And then I can just tell you, this is my pronouns. This is my deal. And I can decide how much I want to share or how much I don't. And it would, that, was, that was a really good guide for me in, in the wake of a question somebody asked about, like, what, what do I do? My child is asking if the, if the checkout person at Target is a, is a man or a, a boy or a girl. And, you know, I don't want to embarrass anybody or say the wrong thing. So what do I do? And they gave, like, really good guidance for us in situations like this, you know. And um, So the question they guided us to ask is, what, is your, what are your pronouns? Yeah. Yeah, you could feel that this was, this was terrain that we are all kind of working over, you know, and we're early in this, in this process, right, of kind of understanding. Even, like, people were asking, like, isn't pansexual the same as bisexual? Like, what's the difference? Like, it was really cool. And then the panel was like, oh, no, here's the difference here. You know, that, that I didn't know the difference. But, you know, no. so that was really interesting to hear. So pan, <laughs> pansexual means you're – oh, did you say is it different than bisexual? Yeah, that pansexual was Pansexual means – and this is about sexual, who you're attracted to. Correct. Pansexual means that you're attracted to – Men and women and people who identify as non-binary. Correct. So they're they don't they're not either one. They don't want they identify, they don't want to identify as male or female, or they want to identify as both. Right. So there's two issues. One is who you're attracted to, the other is how you identify. And right. th- and they are the panel was very clear. These are separate and distinct issues, you know, so you have to, you know, if you really want to get to know somebody and how they feel about this, these are the things you want to know. And and maybe keep in mind to some extent, this isn't all they are. You know what I mean? Like, so, you know, like the, you, you can talk to them about other things as well. I kind of got that impression from Juniper as well at one point. Oh, yeah. Like, you know, like, you know, this isn't all I want to talk about, you know? Yeah. Like I- <laughs> yeah. They were, um, oh, I will say, I wish I could access his name, but he, the gentleman that had transitioned yeah. to a man 
um, he's a therapist. Yeah. But he was talking about, he basically lost his whole family. Yeah. And that was brutal. So heartbreaking. For the record, he said it was, it's, it's what he had to do and worth it. I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but, but I think he kind of said it was worth it. I mean, he, he, well, he, he doesn't regret it. It's absolutely who he was meant to be. And he looks forward to the future as he is now. Um, but he lost friends and a hundred percent. He hasn't seen his sister, I think in three years or her, his parents or right. his niece or nephew. I can't remember which his, her, his sister's child. Now, he's definitely estranged Brutal. from a lot of his family, which is awful. And yet you could, you could tell that living his, his authentic reality was way more important and and probably vital to his well-being. I mean, you know, one one per, somebody pointed out, and this is not news to anybody in my field, that the suicide and attempted suicide rates of people who are non-binary or transgender are frighteningly high. And so I don't know how you felt, but like to see oh, L and Juniper. So they were the the uh, young. They were both high school-aged kids on the stage, and to see them, um, each with a parent who was fully supportive, um, it, it just felt like, oh, God, I'm so, I was so happy for these kids. And it made me think about all the kids who, um, and some of whom I have worked with, who feel like, mm, I, I know I'm non-binary in this way, but I'm so scared of how of rejection of what people are going to think of how what my family's going to think and and um god you know you can feel like just watching these two kids talk how important it is to support them in their identity you know in who they are and to recognize also they're still who they you know what i mean they're still yeah. who they're, yeah. they're their personalities they're the people they that you know and you love they are just they want to live more authentically in the body that feels right to them and in the persona that feels right to them. And my God, you know, my, my, my overriding thought about this, even if you fundamentally don't get it, is if it's for the well-being of another human being, then kind of get over yourself. I mean, I don't think I, I don't mean that entirely. I think it's more like get to understand it because... That, that there are kind of lives in, in, in the balance there. A hundred percent there's lives in the balance. And you don't, right, you don't, the good news kind of is you don't have to get it, just light up. And I want to kind of go there for a second. That's my my go-to for everything, but I stand behind it. Um, yeah, I actually co-opted that for my talk, by the way, as a side note. And I got called out on it by, was it James? Kimmy. What? No, Kimmy. <laughs> she knows that to be, I don't know if I coined that. But I think I, it's more than my... one person has called me no. out and said, that's Julie's thing oh, that you're taking. Well, also, I don't know that I came up with it. It doesn't matter, but it's what we have to do. Kids have to, I know I didn't. Kids have to see the light in our eyes. And I've, I remember the times in my life where I realized that and did that and saw the difference in a child, in a child's energy. And, you know, I've talked about Mama Muff, the original um, 
you know, lighter in, upper, the lighter upper, the original, uh, original, the OG of enthusiasm. But um, <laughs> that's a perfect coin. That's a perfect term for yeah. Mala Muff. Shit. Debbie Reber, uh, she has uh, differently wired. Is her is that it's her book podcast? Yeah. Uh, no, her podcast is called uh, Tilt Parenting. Oh yeah. Um, and it's kind of this. Uh, uh, movement that she's kind of creating, a revolution for the differently wired kids. So these could be twice exceptional kids, kids on the autism or Asperger's spectrum. I think she's talking about kids who are differently wired in most any way. And um, what was cool about Debbie's talk is she has a differently wired son. Do you remember his name? He's 15 now. No, but um, he's a beautiful kid. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, it reminds me. So, you know, here's Juniper and Elle up on the stage. And then Debbie's talking about her beautiful kiddo who was uh, just full of life and energy, um, how gifted or however, you, however he was labeled. But he got kicked out of some preschools because he didn't sit quietly in song circle or story circle. Right. But you've got the, you know, I, it, it was just, the point was you had these magical minds and they're getting Quashed. shut down because they don't fit quietly and um, conventionally. conventionally into the school system. And I get that, you know, I get the struggles that, you know, that teachers would have, but she talked about what, what, what kind of thinker did she say? Just, uh, we need an outlier is not the right word, but she used outlier. At one but point. but what, what kind of thinking, you know, we, these thinkers, these ideas, you know, we need, what, what do you call the, uh, where you bust through these, uh, we just innovative minds, these creative minds. We need to foster and they need to thrive. So she was talking about she started homeschooling him. Right. And she would, when he would write, have a writing assignment, she would write because he needed to basically do parkour while he was writing the story. He needed to move. And that's how he wrote. And, you know, what a cool thing. Um, which you can see where a teacher might not love that, but but you can also that's see how his mind works. With a moment's reflection, you can almost see where a really energetic, tenacious, lively mind. You can see where that kind of movement would foster the idea, where he could get it out that way. When when she was telling that story, I was picturing like um, when I write sometimes. I sit and sit and sit and crank and type, 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 and then I stop, and I'm, I, I just can't do it anymore, and I get up, and I walk around, and I start talking to myself. I mean, literally like, a, like you know, you'd think like if I were in a classroom, I'd be kicked out. I'd be like, Mr. Duffy, get, yeah. go down to the principal's office, and sometimes like that combination just eases you back into the thinking. You know, I think we're so quick to label these exceptional kids who are differently wired as problems. She talked about when he was little, and I'm I'm so I'm really bummed. I can't I don't we don't know can't remember his name right now. But he was like in four years old in preschool, and she remembers going to pick him up, and some little girl ran up. You know, he, so he got in trouble today. You know, he got in trouble. And she's like, what? You know, and and he was not on the playground. He was sitting in a closet 
inside because he had been, you know, disruptive in class. So just this whole trail of heartbreak she had with this kid. She eventually homeschooled him. Now he's back in high school, model student, doing really well. But my point is, you know, I was thinking about how energetically the lights go out for these kids because they're, you know, they're, oh, weird, or what is he doing, or what is she doing, and how teachers' lights go or out. Get your and shit they, together in the classroom. Yeah, they, beca- they become, these kids become trouble, and and then I think the when the lights go out or you energetically turn away from them, it's, it's more agitating for them, and it kind of makes it worse. These kids, you know, that are different, that are finding their way, you don't, the good news is you don't need to deeply understand you just don't turn away. Light up. Light up for them. Light up for the human that they are. Light up for these kids that are wired differently because that's what they need. They need to they, they because they can feel when they're when your lights are when you're when you're turning away, when you when you when they're disappointing you somehow, when the, they can see your disdain. And um they can all see your disdain. So just Take that out of your repertoire. <laughs> right. And so their well-being is at play there. And when you light up, you welcome that back, right? You know what I mean? You 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 kind of take them out of the you're a problem yeah. space, right? To take this a step further, we need these people. Like, you know, like yes. when, when you think about like a kid who's differently wired, like and you think about like where does – where does the innovative mind come from? Rarely does it come from, I know how to conventionally learn from a history book. You right. know what I mean? Like right. it usually comes from like, you know, I don't know why, but my mind is just operating on a different level here. And I learn in a different way and I compute in a different way. And man, that's the stuff we want to bottle, right? We need these people because we're heading in all sorts of different directions. And the more we can capture the way they think and their ideas, there's brilliance in there left on the table with all these kids, brilliance and brightness and kindness and all the stuff we need in the world now today. And I think we've spent way too much time, man. I, I think about when I go to these conferences and, and this one in particular, this year in particular, I was picturing for whatever reason, my eighth grade class. So I was picturing the, the kids I went to school with and I was thinking of the kids who were problems. You know what I mean? Who were labeled problems. And and I think back and I think like, oh my God, they were the brilliant ones. Like we fucked up, <laughs> right? Somehow we, because what we did is kind of like, I went to a Catholic school at times, beat it out of them. You know what I mean? Like literally like, you know, with a ruler, you know, and I'm not kidding. I literally would, I... Yes, I know. Yeah. We all know. Um, but, you know, and in here you have these minds who are, you know, active and innovative and kind of like, you know, I can't sit still in this place, man. Like, I got to I gotta start. Can we can I just like teach this part? You know what I mean? Yeah. Like some kids have said it, to me, it would work better if I could just teach it and learn it as I go. I could do that better than just sitting there because it, that that makes me crazy, you know, like. So I think we have to think broadly and systemically, not just out of charity for the differently wired or whatever. That's not the deal. You know what I mean? Part of Debbie's point is, you know, my guy, he's 
he's got something special here. And, you know, by putting him in the closet for misbehaving, we're missing it. You know oh, what I yeah. mean? And, and, you know, like, and I worry about these kids I went to school with who are now 55 years old. And I'm thinking, like, did we, like, kind of quash a generation of brilliance in the name of convention? And if we did, shame on us. But we have the opportunity now to undo that, you know, and you've got voices like Debbie Reber and that that whole panel um, and Todd and Kathy who are kind of very clearly saying, you know, hey, don't do that to this generation. You know what I mean? Like we we can do better by these kids and we will all fare better in the long run. Yeah. 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 So it's no, all you, good news. No, you're right. You don't. It, it's not like, oh, poor them. Well, I mean, whatever you your motivation is for turning toward them then instead of away from them and lighting up, do it. But you don't need to understand. You just need to not uh, judge and not not shut your lights off. True. Although I will say, if I can just add to that, sitting down with a kid and understanding is also kind of a pretty sweet privilege unto itself, man. I Disruptors. Mean, that's the word I was looking there for. You go. The disruptors, you know, that's people are talking about disruptors. We need disruptors in our society to grow and learn and innovate. And so literally, that's what these kids are, from, you know, from an early age. And we're man, I wish I had making that a bad thing. So just so many great speakers, so many great stories. And they have been through just gut. You know, years of gut-wrenching, you know, trials and tribulations trying to find the right answer for their kiddos. So if we can all, you know, lighten the load for our collective kiddos, if you have a neighbor, a friend, someone you see walking down the street, you know, light up for the person that might initiate, you know, initially make you confused or even bugged. (laughs) Well, you're right. It's it's kind of that that space where your judgment has no place, you know, and that's most spaces. And I think we're getting reacclimated to judging each other these days. Oh, yeah, right. You know, and I, I'll just speak for me. You know what I mean? Like, um, I I realized over the course of the weekend how often I gauge people incorrectly, and um, and I presume their intentions, you know, and, um, and there's this kind of BS elitism in judgment that, you know, that I participate in on occasion, Mm -hmm. on more occasions than I'm proud of. And, um, one thing I love about this conference and this, again, this year in particular was you learn very quickly. It's not humility. It's more like, oh, Oh, these people are friggin' amazing. You know what I mean? Like, as, like, like anybody you get to know, right? On, on, on any level. So, if there's a disruptor in or around your life in any way, you get to understand what their deal is instead of trying to manage their behavior. And for oh, God's right. sake, before you drop a pill into their, you know, uh, lap, you know, mouth, <laughs> mouth, right? Let, let's let's understand first. You know what I mean? Let's let's make sure that we're not, you know, medicating away, shaming away, blaming away something that is core 
to who somebody is and that we need. Yeah, and in fairness, just to acknowledge, you know, she talked about the struggle. You know, she admitted this isn't the child I want, I planned on having. This isn't what I expected. Um, Rachel Simmons talked about that. She's like super. She was performance driven, and she has. She's very accomplished, and so she has this amazing daughter, seven year old daughter, who is. You know, doesn't she doesn't see that drive in her. And so making those adjustments as a parent to what you thought you were going to get or thought you wanted to what you actually have, it's not it can be no small thing. Oh, it's hard. Um, it's it's actually that's an understatement. It's it can be hard on the daily. The good news is and scary. It can be scary. You know, like that. in fairness to parents, you know, like um, it's hard. It's frustrating. But from the best of intentions, parents are thinking like, is this the mode they're going to be in? How are they going to make it? You know, this is a very competitive world. How are they going to make it if they don't have that drive? You know, like there was actually a lot of questions like that. You know, one mom said, hey, you know, I'm a lawyer. Right. And I was super competitive. And I think maybe her family environment was really competitive and driven. And um, she said, I struggle because I actually feel like it gave me a lot and and it, it it's why I am in a career that I love I feel like it was uh, a good move for me so it's hard for me to let that go um we had there was another couple that uh she's Ivy League he's an MD but he said he his he got he dropped out of high school I think initially but yeah. ended up an, an MD but they have they're struggling with how to approach their their parenting. Um, they both want their child to be motivated, right, and yep. really high achieving, but they're really struggling with whose approach, you know, will work. So they're there, they're there, and and thinking about it, which is awesome. So yeah, there was a lot of that, and that's that's a question a lot a lot of parents have now, you know, the, the definition of success we have and the track that, you know, is kind of the default, take the higher level classes, the highest level class you can take and get the, you know, get your college resume ready. Let's go. Um, Starting in as early as we, yeah. I, I heard probably an earlier date than I've ever heard. So I have worked with the eighth grader who is like, you know, I'm not going to get into a decent college, but somebody was talking about their fifth grader. Yep. And, you know, and I guess, of course, right? You know what I mean? Of course, that's a slippery slope. And, you know, um, the concern drips downhill. And now 12-year-olds are worried about, like, what their future looks like. Right. I got a bad grade on the test. I'm not going to get into college. (laughs) And if you think about what was on your mind when you were 12, I'm guessing it wasn't whether you're going to get into college or not. Right. 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 So, yeah, amazing weekend of learning and growing. And yes, it felt so good to be in a space where people were smiling at each other and, you know, learning together and happy to meet each other. And um, it it just felt kind of like everyone was on the same page um, and warm and welcoming to each other, to the speakers, to the, to the content. Um, So like, what do you think were the main takeaways? I don't even know if the main takeaways were just about parenting, because I think it was about 
how we approach people, right? You know, yeah. and um, and recognizing that uh, I, I think it was interesting because I thought, you know, like. I'm going to be the one person saying, like, this is a new age. Like, we've stepped into a new kind of zone where everything, like, the, everything's a little overwhelming. Everything's a little more intense for kids in particular, right? You know, we've got, like, social media playing a role in their self-worth and, you know, um, academic stress is higher. But that was a through line through the whole weekend. You know, I feel like everybody kind of had a nod to things are changing here, you know? Yes. And so we need to create soft places to fall. You know, we need to create sanctuary for our kids. Sanctuary like in our was... home and with our and with our own vibe. That's your big message. Yep, yep. And I feel like that was echoed, you yeah. know, by, by a number of people. Conversation. I... The conversations have to happen. You don't have the option. That was a huge through line. The conversations with your kids have to happen, have to be on a regular basis. Not, It's not a sit down. It's not a one and done. It's a continuing uh, conversation, but you can't opt out because it's uncomfortable and a lot of it's super uncomfortable, but kids are seeing porn, you know, when they're seven and eight and six and uh, they're, um, and that's just one example, but they're aware of everything going on in the world. Um, they're having bad kid drills at school, and you have to have conversations with kids because, you know, like really everyone brought this up. If you don't have them, they're going to have them with someone. You want to weigh in on what you think and with some of the information. And then um, I was going to point out that, you know, we need to, to foster connection with kids, um, which of course is true now more than ever. Um, one area we haven't talked about, and we, we won't spend a lot of time on it here, but it was a focus of Todd and Kathy's work and Tony Porter's work was the gender differential, um, boys and girls, and how they interact, how they interact in terms of uh, sexuality, in terms of power dynamics, in terms of respect, and both of those talks, which kind of bookended the, the event for me a little bit kind of got me thinking a lot about, Tony talked a lot about, you know, how are we going to talk to our boys? And we have to talk to our boys and men have to model um, respect for women across the board for our boys and be really, really, really aware of the language we use. Um, you know what I mean? Like, and he kind of focused on that idea of like, you know, don't play like a girl kind yeah. of uh, idea, you know? Um and how he kind of really un peeled the onion of like how insidious and deep that message runs in so many things that we say to our boys, you know, that suggests girls are less than. And you know what I mean? Like it was it was very cool how he did that because he did it in a in a way that didn't diminish anybody. You know, he wasn't um, shaming anybody. He was just trying to level the playing field in the right way. Well, and also he was talking about how we don't give, boys aren't given access to the tool. They're not told they can talk about their feelings or they're supposed to. Right. You know, they don't, so they, that that's, you know, the other piece we need to talk to them, you know. Uh, what was the box? It was like the um, it was the like man box, the man box, right? And so the man box was kind of acceptable male stuff, yeah. And none of it had to do with emotional intelligence. There's a lot of take it like a man vibe um, amongst boys and men, and I think there's almost 
a resurgence of it. Yeah. In these, mm-hmm. in, <laughs> right. Also, not with, to get not to get it all political remotely. Yeah. You notice this, like when you did this panel when you were on Steve Harvey with these fourteen-year-old boys talking about sex, and they were all just open books. Like they had no hesitation talking. No. Peggy Ornstein, I was listening to her on Dak Shepard. She wrote a book called Boys and Sex. She basically followed these guys around and, and had conversations with them. And the one thing she said was no one had ever asked them. They were really happy to talk. No one ever asked them the questions. They, they don't have opportunities to have these conversations to talk about these things because no one talks to them about it. So a lot of times they're sitting alone in the room watching porn, which is so uh, disorienting. You know, we're kind of all over the place, but for yeah, them, you're it's, on the right track, it's really intimidating and um, scary, and it's definitely not a how-to. Um, oh, no, and it can be revolting, and it can make boys really question themselves. Am I like that? You know what I mean? Can I, can I do that? Yeah. Can I, Am you know, I supposed to do that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, no, the, the, the messaging, if we don't balance out the messaging, and this is this showed, this came through during the, the conference, if we don't balance out that messaging with discussions a la Peggy Ornstein, then our kids, are, our boys in particular, are only getting messages about girls and sex from porn. Yeah, Tony was talking about you've got to talk to your boys because they're watching porn. They probably start about 10. Um, and, you know, if they're watching if they're watching porn that's kind of normal, by the time they're 13, you know, he was saying that's not going to do it anymore. They're now they're going to get they're getting into stuff that's like violent and um, degrading, and so that's just one like you know out of like a kind of a normal curiosity. You know, you can picture you up the ante. What else is there out there? You know, and and you kind of move on because you get bored with one thing, like in any other area of life. But this is particularly insidious. And you you don't want to if you. Find well, you want to so so you know that that is happening. It's he said it's not a matter of if it's when every kid is is watching it. So that's huh, you know. Sorry if I'm the first one to tell you that. Every but, boy, but every boy, and probably yeah, every because girl. it's available. Because it's available, and I, I I didn't know this, but I think Kathy said this. I you know the stuff that's free is the is the the most twisted. I didn't know that. Like Pornhub or whatever is she said is not just, you know, sex. It's well, I mean not just no- regular. Kid, kids will tell <laughs> kids have told me and kind of like they they said like access to the grimmest of porn is so easy to slip into the dark web off of Pornhub is a couple clicks of a mouse and you are suddenly in some really really wretched territory. I don't know if we said this on the podcast, but we know someone whose daughter was at a birthday party, seven-year-old girls. They were watching one Disney movie that they were bored with. So the dad said, do you guys want to watch Frozen 2? Yay! So that he somehow pirated the video, which I know there's a million ways to do. And they were super, because it's not on video yet. And um, porn popped up twice. So... These littles saw this kind of S and M. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so these conversations have to happen, have to happen, and that's kind of 
I know it's kind of bad news because it's super hard. Um. <laughs> it's bad news, but it's also it presents the option of who you want to be in the life of your kids, right? You know, yes, our kids are exposed to a lot. Our kids have points of view about the world outside of their little sphere way too early developmentally for their little minds. But the good news for parents and adults in kids' lives is that we can usher them through it all safely if we're willing to suffer our own discomfort because to talk about it with them. We have to. Yeah, you, it's yeah, like you have it's to. like our job. Yep, it is. It's Period. absolutely our job. And once you get it started, like Peggy Orenstein said, kids will talk. They they it's not like that you hard. Say. You no, say. kids kids want to talk about what they're experiencing. They all they need is the not. All they need is, "Hey, you can come to me." And they will, man. That's this is how kids work now. And it probably isn't how we worked when we were kids. And your kid, you might be thinking, mm, you don't know my kid. But I would argue, give your kid a shot. You know what I mean? Like, give your kid a shot and play this podcast for them and say, you know, like, okay, so talk to me about this stuff. You know, talk to me about these people are saying right here, <laughs> you know, like. Oh, and um, Rachel said, Simmons said, don't diss screens. Just don't do it. Uh, you're out. You'll just be out. Uh, it's just not a thing you can do. Just kind of let that go because well, it has, it, there's no power to dissing screens, right? Because screens are awesome. We all love them. We're all on them all the time, you know. So if you diss them, it's like telling it's. It makes you seem like a thousand years old. You know what I mean? It, it makes you seem. You know, I don't like your rap music. Turn it off instead of like. I'm going to listen to this for a minute. You know what I mean? This, my kid's deeply involved in this and really loves it and somehow is moved by it. I'm going to get into it, you yeah, know? don't diss screens and don't, um, yeah, if you kid, if you find your kid watching porn, don't, you know, don't shame them. Use it as an opportunity to have a conversation, which I know sounds super scary, but this is just some of the stuff that we learned this week. Right. Well, and just, just as a side note, one thing that I liked about Rachel's style that, that I can tell is parlayed in her parenting is that she uses the language of kids a lot. She said she watches South Park and she will she can speak like Cartman. Like it's well, hilarious. He said, she said that's her fear voice in her head. Right, which is yeah. which is friggin' yeah. great, man. Yeah. I mean, like you know, because it gives your kid the opportunity to use Cartman as his or her fear voice or to find their own. Yeah. And um, and she kind of you know she uses words like rad, you know, and like dope and. You know, and this is this is where you meet kids where they are, you know, if you're authentic about it, you know, or even if you're playful about it and you recognize this isn't me at all, but I'm going to use rad and dope anyway because yeah. I, I want I want to be in, on the joke about me. You yeah. know what I mean? Like that this isn't my thing. Yeah. Anyway, too bad we didn't have anything to say. Um, this has been super boring. So uh, light up for... Those that you don't understand, especially the kiddo that you think might not be getting it or might you might be inclined to turn your lights off for, <laughs> you say, and it's true, 90% of everything should be just fun, enjoying each other, having fun, celebrating what you like in people, not what you don't, um, and the 10% is, you know... The 10%, if you, right, if you want your words heated, if, you, if, yeah. you're, if you're concerned about safety, health, sex, 
drugs, you know, any of the things that you feel like I need that lecture moment, if you want those words to carry any weight, hang out with your kid all the time. You know, get to know their world and enjoy them and celebrate celebrate the weird, otherly wired, differently wired part of them. And yes. you know what I mean? Because every kid, you know, no kid is normal. Somebody said there is no such thing as normal at the conference. And that is a liberating thought that you're, you know, if you're looking for your kid to be normal, you are free from that. Your kid doesn't have to be normal and normal isn't that interesting. No, it's not. Think about <laughs> the beauty of you know, the disruptor. I was so not a disruptor and man, I I would kill to have like worn that badge. I'd like I'd like a tattoo that says disruptor, but so I um, thank you, Todd and Kathy Adams, for another awesome conference. Thank you to everyone we met and whose wisdom we were able to absorb for those couple of days. Yeah. And um, if you get a chance to come to it next year, you should. And if not, find something like it. Find something that um, takes you out of context and fuels you for a couple of days. Yeah, that um, wakes up your brain and yeah. your heart. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, because I think I think we're we're heading into a year that could go one of two ways. <laughs> it could it could be filled with insidious vitriol. Um, oh, or we could bring a completely different tone to it, right? You know, like I, I really have been thinking about this today. We could bring this vibe to it where we're accepting of other people's points of view. We're not presumptive and we recognize, hey, if you're wired a little differently than me, if you think a little differently than me, if you believe a little differently than me, I, I think we all have to work together to meet each other somewhere, somewhere in the middle where, you know, um, good good things can happen for all of us. Good point, yeah. So happy election year and- Wait, uh, and I do want to say one more thing. Thank you so much to the people that came up to us at the at the conference and said that they loved their, that they loved our podcast. Yeah. <laughs> and um, a couple of people very sweetly made the point of saying, and you, Julie, like, you know, we don't get a lot of accolades, but you, you know, we love you on the podcast. So that was really sweet. Yeah, I love that too. I love, <laughs> I thought that was um, well, great that, that was so nice. many people came up to you and talked about how much they loved you on the podcast. Ryan, thank you, Ryan, yeah, for your kind words. Ryan, Ryan was very clear <laughs> that he enjoyed your work on the podcast. And, so anyway, uh, it was nice. It was Yeah, nice. you got some nice accolades I forget. there. I forget. And, um, yeah, people said a nice thing or two to me, so that was good. Yeah, whatever. Anyway, this is better. Thanks, Have honey. a great week. Thank Love you, honey. You. Love you. Oh, we're going to Vegas. Oh, yeah, we're going to Vegas with George <laughs> and Lauren. Woohoo! Go Cubs in Vegas. To see the Cubbies. We'll report live from Vegas maybe next Ooh, week. Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right, cool.